Hello all, welcome or welcome back to In Everything In Between. I'm your host, Mela. I watched Interstellar for the first time, uh, I think it was like two weeks ago, and well, now I'm adding another subject to my list of things I'm interested in, astrophysics, but I genuinely, I don't understand, like this movie blew my mind. So basically, if you haven't watched Interstellar, like genuinely life-altering experience. First of all, when it ended, I had a million questions, which I think is a good thing for a sci-fi movie because it means that the ending was up to interpretation and it requires a little bit more exploration on part on behalf of the viewer, but I think that still makes for a good movie because it makes it interesting. So I was trying to figure out like what just happened and I was like desperate looking desperately looking for a sequel to the movie. I was like Interstellar 2, when is it coming out? I was like is there an Interstellar 2? Inter- Interstellar 2 rumors. Like I need a second movie, a second whatever, a sequel to this movie. Oh my god. So basically Interstellar the earth basically becomes inhabitable because there is a lot of blight that's killing the crops and a lot of dust in general. Like, it's just a very toxic environment for humans to breathe in and it's killing the crops, killing animals. So, basically, humans need to move to a new planet to find somewhere to live. And isn't this interesting, showing the potential, yes, Yes, drastic effects, but definitely not implausible effects of climate change. So I like that it has that little real world component also. But basically, humans have to pick up and move to a new planet. So the goal of the main character of the movie, who is a, he's a rocket pilot, the goal of the movie, or I mean, the goal of the main character and a few other astronauts that are going into space is to go to planets and solar systems that other astronauts visited and had collected data for to go to these planets that had positive data results and actually check out, hey, would this be a habitable place for humans to pick up and move to? So that's what the whole premise of the movie is. They go to these different galaxies and they're trying to find a new planet for humans. But the really weird thing that I still can't wrap my mind around is how time is not a constant thing throughout the universe. Like, I can't understand relativity of time. Like, it is so mind-boggling. When two of the astronauts went on the surface of this one planet, they were only gone for a few hours, but each hour they were gone was seven years back on Earth. So that was, I think, it ended up being around, like, 23 years but apparently it was also 23 years for the other remaining astronaut in the um like in the rocket it was 23 years for him too and so when the two astronauts came back even though it had been three hours for them since they left it had been 23 years for the other guy he said oh i thought you guys were never coming back like that is insane, like, 23 years? Unless I heard him wrong and he said, like, three years or something, but I swear, I think he said 23 years. Like, I cannot wrap my mind around that. And then there are these other concepts of a tesseract, and it's just, like, so confusing, but in a good way, like, very interesting confusing. So, I'd really recommend the movie. It really made me interested in like, theory of relativity and 
like space astrophysics it was so interesting so cool like I just can't imagine that and I think it's because time was so different because they were near a black hole which a black hole has a lot of gravitational pull so it was just it was a crazy crazy interesting movie I would really really recommend it but now I want to talk about the subject of today's episode which as of right now when I'm recording I don't have a title for the episode. I don't know what I want to title it. It kind of has a theme running through it, but I don't, I can't name the theme exactly, and I want the title to be interesting. So hopefully when you guys are listening to this, there will obviously be a title, so hopefully it's interesting and it reeled you guys in, but I, I have to figure out how to connect what I'm saying into this solid episode. But basically, this episode was caused by a couple things, namely how I am a high school senior and I've just started my second semester as a high school senior. And so I'm kind of getting into that era where you're just reflecting on every aspect of your life and you're realizing, oh my god, I'm never going to see these people again. Or, well, I'm going to see my friends again. I'll probably see the occasional person in like Target or something, but I'm not going to see the same people I've seen every day. Like That's not going to be my life anymore. So it's very weird, and I'm definitely experiencing a lot of nostalgia for these past couple years. I wouldn't say I'm experiencing nostalgia for all of high school. Maybe a little sophomore year, second semester, sophomore year. Freshman year does not count because that was COVID and I had a completely messed up high school experience freshman year. I went to school like twice a week. If I went at all, school was even open. I didn't learn anything. I didn't do anything with anyone. I didn't make any new friends. So freshman year does not count. So I had three years of high school. So I'm kind of nostalgic for the past couple years. But I feel like as I'm applying to college especially and as I have to eventually finalize these decisions, what do I want to study? Where am I going to go to school? What are some plans I have? It feels like adulthood is becoming real. And I know that seems dramatic because I'm still only 17. And even in college, you're not an adult really. I mean, you're just like, you're a kid that's pretending to be an adult in college, I feel like. Like, I I cannot think of my college friends as adults. Like, they don't feel like adults to me. But it just feels, like, scary. I just feel like time is slipping out of my hands and I'm grasping at it, but it's moving so fast and I can't reach it. So, I'm definitely feeling a lot of this nostalgia. And I think what's going along with my nostalgia, I think the perfect artist that perfectly embodies the feeling of nostalgia is Lord, and I want to talk about Lord's music, especially the album Melodrama. Melodrama, I believe, was her second album. The first one was Pure Heroin, then Melodrama, and then Solar Power, so she has three albums, and Melodrama, I just got a poster of it in my room, but I just, I don't know, it just feels like this is the album that is so teenage girl coded like it is honestly teenager coded in general but specifically teenage girls like this is the album i literally i love it so much i love like every single song and i was thinking about this quote from lord that i feel like embodies this nostalgia i'm feeling right now and this is the quote this is one of the most if not the most influential influential, I was trying to say influential and impactful, influential, impactful quotes that I've read that's had on me on my life. 
So here's the quote. All my life, I've been obsessed with adolescence, drunk on it. Even when I was little, I knew that teenagers sparkled. I knew they knew something children didn't know, and adults ended up forgetting. Like, are you kidding? That is like, oh my god, it's so good. Sparkled is the perfect word, and I just, I keep thinking about the last part. I knew they, teenagers, knew something children didn't know and adults ended up forgetting. And that's why everyone's so nostalgic for this time of being a teenager, because you're in between, like, you're not a kid, so you can have your own opinions, but you're not an adult, so you're not really responsible for much. You're responsible for your grades in school, but that's not the biggest thing in the world. It's not like you're responsible for your job or you're responsible for your college grades, which are responsible or which are going to help you in securing a job. It's just the perfect in-between free stage of life. And I just, I love it so much. The song Ribs by Lord, I think is the exact feeling of anticipatory nostalgia. And anticipatory nostalgia is this nostalgia for something that's happening right now in the present. I actually googled this before making this episode because I knew there had to be a term for it. I knew other people felt this feeling that you're missing something or you feel like you're missing something that's happening right now. Or you feel like things are changing right now even though everything is really staying still. It's kind of like being in the eye of a hurricane. You know change is coming, you know change is imminent, but you're just there and everything looks the same. So nothing seems like it's really changing, but you know it's about to. And that's what I think the feeling of anticipatory nostalgia is. And this song Ribs by Lord is this exact feeling. So I want to play, I just have to play the bridge to this song. Like it is, it's such a good song. Let me just play the bridge real quick. That's not the bridge, I lied, but it is a key part of the song. Like, that's the, what is it called? The chorus of the song. I was blanking. And basically, the lyrics are, This dream isn't feeling sweet or reeling through the midnight streets, and I've never felt more alone. It feels so scary getting old. We can talk it so good. We can make it so divine. We can talk it good how you wish it would be all the time. Uh, You're the only friend I need sharing beds like little kids and laughing till our ribs get tough, but that will never be enough. I just, like, it is exactly how I feel as a teenager. Like, we're reeling through the midnight streets. I think the word reeling is, like, you're being hurtled towards this future, but it's, like, you're grabbing on. You can't grab onto anything, but you don't want to go into this future. And midnight streets, it's, like, midnight is the time, the change of day. So, I think that's significant. In the nighttime, things change overnight. You go to bed, you wake up, and the day looks completely different from when you went to bed. It's light outside again, but it's a new day, and you're one step forward into the future. Like, I could write a whole essay about this song, and I really want to. It's, oh, and then there's another lyric. My mom and dad let me stay home. It drives you crazy getting old. Like, as children, we probably look forward to the day our parents are like, okay, you can stay home alone. I know I've been looking forward to the day when I didn't have to have a babysitter because my parents worked all the time, so I had to have a babysitter when I was younger. And the day that my 
mom was like, okay, we don't need to have a babysitter anymore because you're old enough to take care of your brother. It was one step forward for me. And I, at the time, I was really happy because of this newfound freedom I had. But now reflecting back on it, I'm nostalgic because my times with my babysitter, that was like my childhood. Like the games I used to play with my babysitter, there was this one babysitter I had. I was really close with her. I really admired her. She was a senior in high school and I was in probably... I don't know. She was my babysitter for several years, even in college. So I was probably in elementary, middle school. I had a babysitter for a long time because my parents did not trust me to be home. But she was like an older sister to me. And it's so nostalgic. Like it is like it's one, it's a reward to not have that babysitter. But at the same time, it's a sign that you're really not that young anymore. And I don't know. It's just so scary. I just love this song so much. There's so much I could talk about it. And just that intro, it's just so good. Like that song gives me an out-of-body experience. I genuinely feel like I see a montage of every moment in my life up until now, every time I hear that song. And the first time I heard it, my cousin played it for me in the car. I think I was like, I'm trying to remember what age I was. I was probably in eighth grade and me and her were hanging out and she played it for me in the car and or maybe it was because um, she was in the car so she must have just gotten her license so maybe it was when I was in ninth grade but that's when COVID was going on so I don't remember actually somewhere around the 13 to 15 year old range but I was with my cousin in the car she'd just gotten her license it was at night and we were just sitting in the car she says Mail, I have to play this song for you and genuinely, I think that's like one of the most life-changing songs I've ever heard. You have to listen to the whole song after this episode or even pause the episode and play the song now, honestly. Like, go do it because it's just so good. Oh my god, it's such a good song. It's like, ugh, it's so good. Another movie, or not another movie, but a movie in general that encapsulates this feeling of anticipatory nostalgia being nostalgic for what's being nostalgic for what's going on right now is the movie The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I cannot express how much I love this movie. I think this is like I don't I can't say I have a favorite movie, but I think this is my top two favorite movies. Maybe this is even my favorite movie. I honestly I like the movie better than the book and I never like the movie better than the book. But I just think the movie does such a beautiful job at highlighting human relationships, like the purity in human relationships and the joy that we find in other humans. I just, it's just so good. And it really is all about human relationships and it covers some pretty deep topics, but it's not like they're just throwing them in just to be like, okay, we talked about it. It's it's significant. They really care about them and developing them and developing every character. And Oh my god, it's like such a good movie. I have to tell you guys, I have to listen to the song, Ribs by Lord, in the movie The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I want to read one of my favorite quotes from the movie. This movie has a lot of quotable things that were said. I think it's definitely a coming-of-age movie. I definitely, I'm obsessed with coming-of-age movies, but I don't really like, I'm not like a film person. I'll never call movies films. I'm not that pretentious. So I don't really like watching movies like indie films. See, I just said it, indie films, but 
I feel like that's what, if you say the word indie and you're referring to a movie, you've got to call it a film. It just goes with the vibe. But I don't listen, or I don't watch indie films. I only watch just regular movies. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't really go out of my comfort zone when it comes to movies. So when it comes to coming of age movies, I like the genre, but I only like the mainstream coming of age movies, which is probably really controversial because I'm sure there's a not, I'm sure there's a lot of really good coming of age movies made by directors who are not known or small like college coming of age movies but yeah I have to say I'm not a very big expansive person with my with my movie taste but this is my favorite quote from the perks of being a wallflower I know these will all be stories someday and our pictures will become old photographs we all become somebody's mom or dad but right now, these moments are not stories. This is happening. I can see it. This one moment when you know you're not a sad story. You're alive. And you stand up and see the lights on the buildings and everything that makes you wonder. And you're listening to that song and that drive with the people who you love most in this world. And in this moment, I swear, we are infinite. Oh my god. Oh my god. I think it's the writer in me. Like, I love to write. And so this is just so poetic. I don't write poetry, but this is like, it's so beautiful, the writing. In this moment, I swear we are infinite. And I love the short sentence, the short sentences, I think really emphasize and drive the ideas home. I think sometimes people associate really beautiful writing with long flowery sentences, but I think there's a type of beauty in short sentences as well. I just can't get over, I know these will all be stories someday, and our pictures will become old photographs. Our pictures will become old photographs? Oh my god, it's like when you're looking at your parents or even your grandparents' photographs, and they say, oh look, it's me in college, and you're like, who is that person? They look so different, they're around a completely different circle of people. It's like they existed in this own world, and they had their own world before I was a part of it, before their world was my world and it's like that same feeling like they're old photographs to us but to those people to our parents and to our grandparents those are their memories and I just I can't get over this quote I can't get over this movie and I can't get over how well it embodies the feeling of nostalgia I think basically in the movie what he's referencing when he says you see the lights on the building and you're listening to that song and the drive with the people you love basically the main character was in the car and he and his friends go through this one tunnel in the night and then they emerge on the other side and they're in new york city or on the outskirts of new york city so they can see all those cityscapes and or the skyscrapers in the background and it's at night and they're listening to this song actually it's heroes by david bowie and he stands up in the trunk and feels the wind, because it's a truck, stands up, or not in the trunk, he stands up in the trunk and stands up like through the sunroof and puts his hands out and just feels the wind on his face. First of all, I need to experience that feeling, but I think that is the feeling of freedom. That's the feeling of being a teenager. Like, you're in this moment right now and you're with the people you love, you're listening to your favorite music and you're not worried about what's happening next. You're just enjoying life right now. And my experiences that are like what this quote is about, what this movie's about, these are very specific experiences to me. But this year in my physics class, 
a bunch of people, and if anyone in my physics class or any of my physics friends are listening to this, then they know what I'm talking about. But in my physics class, half the class, we really enjoy philosophical discussions. I don't enjoy philosophy in terms of learning about philosophers and reading philosophical philosophy philosophy text however i do like discussing philosophical concepts so after physics a lot of us like usually it's just like three to four people but this one class we had it was like six people and then my teacher also was with us too which was really funny and we were talking about these different philosophical topics and I don't know what it is about that experience, but it's just so human. Like, I don't know, it's just such a human experience, such a cute little human bonding experience, and it's something I really value and something that makes me have that anticipatory nostalgia. Like, I don't know why I'm already nostalgic for that happening, even though it's still happening, even though it happens all the time. It's just, I don't know, it's something I really value, a really small thing that's really interesting and I think unique. And this is kind of unrelated, but a philosophy concept I personally believe, even though I don't care about the physics behind it, I don't care about the math, I don't care, that's not actually possible, blah, blah, blah. If, let's just forget all about that. This is what I believe. I believe that every choice we could have made, or I like to believe, every choice we could have made exists in an alternate universe. And so there's like basically infinite alternate universes that you're existing in and you could be infinite numbers of people based on choices you made or did not make. So let's say one day you were deciding if you should eat waffles or pancakes, but maybe when you ate waffles, you discovered you were allergic and you went to the hospital. And then at the hospital, you met someone who had a really impactful, who had really who was really impactful on your life. I don't know. But just things like that. And then that's a whole nother universe where you're a whole different person. Maybe your personality is even different. Maybe you're friends with different people or you are not friends with certain people or you've become a different person in terms of your career or your interests. Like that fascinates me. And I love thinking like that. Like what are the other versions of myself I could have been? It kind of reminds me of the book the Midnight Library by Matt Haig, which I'd really recommend. It kind of explores that concept of you exist in a bunch of different universes and you could have had or could have lived all these alternate lives. And it's also the premise of the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. I will say my dad and I tried watching the movie. And when I say tried, we tried to watch this movie. We got like over an hour through, I think like an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and a half through but we had to give up. I had no idea what was going on in this movie. I just didn't get it. It wasn't my vibe. It's very weird, and I don't like movies where I'm really confused. I like movies where there's mystery. Obviously, you've got to have a little bit of questioning, but not questioning to the point that it becomes just outright confusion, and that's where I was, and my dad was also. We had no idea what was going on, there would be like a little part that was like, this, okay, I see it, this movie could be going somewhere, and then I just get lost again, and I kept sticking with the movie, I kept telling my dad, let's just watch 10 more minutes, because 
it got so many awards and was ranked so highly and I thought there was going to be some big aha moment that made me think, oh, now I get it, now I understand, this is why this movie is so great. And when we hit that hour 15 mark, I was like, I don't know if we're getting here, I don't know if I can stick out this movie for a whole nother hour, so I quit. And... Maybe there was that aha moment, I was just too impatient. That should be my lesson to me. But the premise of the movie was that this main character, who's this burned out mom, actually has a bunch of different lives. One of them, she's like a karate superstar, like amazing at karate. And I don't know, like that's just really weird to me. I mean, I did Taekwondo when I was younger for several years and I was really good at it. I was about to become a black belt and then I quit, which was so fun, I quit, but I wonder, maybe in another life I'm being a Taekwondo superstar, who knows, maybe I'm a Taekwondo, um, what's the word, maybe I'm a Taekwondo, what is the word when I'm a Taekwondo savant, who knows, but another experience that really, that the perks of being a wallflower reminds me of, like I relate to that coming of age experience or whatever, is just similar to the movie in that I love driving with my friends in the car, blasting music, especially in the summertime, and especially the artist Tame Impala. If you haven't listened to Tame Impala's music, I've talked about him in both of my music episodes, and I just love his music so much, so good. I love the song Eventually by him, I also love The Less I Know The Better, List of People to Try and Forget About, Let It Happen, uh, Lost in Yesterday, Borderline, like so many songs. Oh my god, his music is so good. Feels like we're only going backwards, so good. So yeah, I love, I just, I love it, I love it. Those are my coming of age experiences. But I feel like I'm experiencing overwhelming nostalgia, like overwhelming to the point where if I start thinking about, oh my god, oh my god, in a year from now, I won't be here, and this won't be happening, and I'm uh, freaking out, I just, like, get, like, my hands start to sweat, and I just feel so sad all of a sudden, like, I'm missing it, but it's happening right now, but I think when we feel this overwhelming amount of nostalgia, it causes us to never live in the present, because we're always thinking about how we would feel if, how we would feel a year later when a year later isn't here. We should just be appreciating what's going on right now. But if we're always, if our heads are always caught in the future, then we're never actually experiencing the present. And then when we get to the future, we're still looking at a year from now. Okay, where will I be in a year? What will be going on? This won't be happening. Oh my god. And I think that's why people are so nostalgic for literally every era like, no matter what happened during the era, no matter what disaster or human catastrophe happened during an era, there's always going to be people who are nostalgic for that era or aspects of a certain era you can be nostalgic for. So the 90s, the early 2000s, the mid-2000s, probably the 2020s. I'm sure there's going to be people in 50 years that are like, I miss COVID. I mean, there's people already right now who say they're nostalgic for quarantine, which how, okay, I get, I get being nostalgic for the first two weeks of quarantine when the weather was really nice, no one knew it was going on, COVID wasn't, it wasn't really on people's radar, like, we knew there was a 
virus, but we didn't know how serious and dangerous it was. So yeah, I can see the nostalgia in that. But like, people are, are just, it just drives me crazy. I feel like people never appreciate where we are now. Like, people didn't appreciate quarantine. People didn't appreciate whatever their childhood in the early 2000s, mid-2000s as it was happening, they were like, okay, what's next? What's the next trend? What, What's going to happen next? What's the next big phase of my life? When am I graduating high school? When am I graduating college? When am I moving to blah, blah, blah? When am I going on this trip? And now we're looking back on those eras of our lives and thinking, I wish I was there in the moment. I wish I appreciated what I had. And I think this is very prominent, especially in adults. I think the older you get, the more you start to think like this, the more you stop appreciating life in the moment and start looking to what the next big thing is, what you can do to further your career and your life, how you can be more productive and use your time wisely. And that is what I think is the answer to Lord's question. That's what I think Lord was referencing in that quote. That's what teenagers know that adults don't. And then I want to add, elderly people later on, I think, realize this, that life is really just about enjoying it. I've seen so many videos of people interviewing elderly people and saying, what would you, what advice would you give to younger people? Or what do you regret most about life? And so many people say, I regret not enjoying it. I regret not taking that risk. I regret not appreciating X, Y, and Z about my life. And that's what I think teenagers know. Teenagers know to enjoy life as it comes. But then when we enter adulthood, we start getting exposed to all of these responsibilities we have to worry about. And so it's like we forget that. That's the things we forget is that life is really all about enjoying it. I'm not one of those people, and this is something that we had, we talked about in one of our little physics philosophical discussions. We talked about, do we think there's a purpose in life? Some people said, yes, I feel like I have a purpose. Some people said, no. I said, I don't have a purpose. I think anyone's purpose, if there is any, if we're going to call it a purpose, anyone's purpose or the reason people are on earth is just to enjoy life to enjoy what you can make out of life, not to constantly be climbing up some ladder only to look back down and realize you never appreciated all the time it took getting up there. You never appreciated the moments you had, and now that you're up there, you have nothing to strive for. You're nostalgic for all the memories that you skipped out on in order to advance in some way or another. And I maybe that's a little bit dramatic, but I think that's how I feel now. And I'm sure when I'm an adult, maybe I'll hear this podcast episode again and I'll listen back and think, I really wish I could still think the same way. I really wish I could still have that same mentality. And that freaks me out a little bit, the fact that I won't always have, or I most likely won't always have this perspective of the main purpose is enjoying life. And I can already see myself right now starting to thinks that thought of, I need to advance in this direction, I need to do this, I need to do this, creeping in my life, and then I didn't appreciate just the simple moments. And right now I'm thinking of a story. Back when I was in first grade, I'm always one of those students, like I've always been one of those students 
who does not like to skip school because I just don't like missing out on material. But I remember I was literally, I did not want to go on this vacation my parents were taking us on when I was in first grade. It was like a nice vacation to the beach and I didn't want to go because I didn't want to miss my homework in first grade. What first grader do you know that's worried about missing their homework? Like, I was on a whole nother level of unhinged in first grade. I'm still the same way. I still hate missing school. I'm a little more lax about it now because of senioritis, but when I was in first grade, oh my god, and I think I've always been the type of person who's worried about what I'm missing, who's worried about the time I'm losing that could be spent advancing in some way, and I really wish I wasn't that person. I wish I could just always be content with enjoying life. And I think for the most part, I am. But again, there's always that part of me that's like, you need to be doing this and this and this. And then a year later, I realize it was never that serious. Like, you never needed to put that much effort into something. You never needed to stress over blah, blah, blah that much. And I'm sure I'm going to think the same thing about college, like college applications. Like, why did you do all that? That was not necessary. And I think that's just the type of person I am, but I'm definitely going to feel that way in a year. Something that I also want to discuss is a certain thing children do that teens start to forget, that adults completely forget. And unlike the previous concept I mentioned of enjoying life as it comes and how I think elderly people start to realize that, like once you retire, once you start doing things for your own enjoyment again... Unlike that idea, I think that the older you get, no matter your age, no matter if you're an elderly person or not, you just completely forgotten it. It's only children that really remember this concept. And that is that children subconsciously create things without an ulterior purpose. This is such a niche idea, but I think about it all the time. And I think this is why a lot of people, myself included, are so nostalgic for childhood. I think because when we were kids, we did things purely for ourselves. I'm not talking about in the selfish sense. I'm talking about when you were finding your hobbies, when you were creating things, whether that was art, music, writing, whether you were, I don't know, I can't think of other things people create, but like working with Play-Doh or something. Like, you were only creating it just because it was fun and you liked it, not because you wanted it to be the best, not because you wanted it to win a competition, not because you wanted to be praised by other people, just because you liked it. And no matter what, I cannot get myself back to this stance or back to this mindset that I have when I was younger, this subconscious creating state. I think that's why kids are so creative because they're not worried about what their creativity is going to do to serve something else. They're just worried about the now and the creating now and what excitement and joy it gives them now. So I just, I don't know. I always think about that. And recently I found some stories from when I was younger because I've mentioned I really love to write. And when I was younger, I say I love to write now, which is true, but when I was younger, I loved to write. Like, I loved, loved, loved to write. I wrote constantly. I wanted to be an author. Like, that was my dream job. 
And another thing is that kids aren't aware of salaries and success and careers and what career is going to lead a stable life. Kids don't know about all of that. They just know they want to do what brings them joy. And again, I think we lose that as we get older and that's why we lose creativity and we lose the ability to think freely and creatively. I loved writing when I was younger because I wasn't writing for this school or competitions. Now when I write, I'm writing to submit to a competition or a journal, or I'm writing to publish on my podcast website or to show someone else. And even if I'm not writing for any of these things, deep down inside, there's always that part of me that's like, okay, but make it good just in case you decide to submit it, just in case someone else were to read it. And I just, I hate that so much. I would do anything. I would pay any amount of money to go back to being a kid where you subconsciously created things without thinking about it at all. When I was younger, I was just writing because I wanted to. And I think my writing in a way, my ideas were so much better. They were so much more creative because I wasn't limited by balance of what the real world told me. I wasn't limited by, oh, this book already exists or limited by, oh, that won't sell well, or that's not interesting to people. I wasn't writing and thinking about what other people would perceive my writing as or how far my writing could get me. I was just writing. And I think now I don't write as much because I want everything I write to be the best thing ever. And there's so much pressure as teenagers and adults and basically every age past, honestly, like early middle school, there's so much pressure to be the best at everything. And that's why I think people don't get into hobbies as much when they're older, because you want to quit if you're not instantly good. And it's again about having this ulterior motive to be good at something in order to get some reward in some form. And there's no intrinsic motivation anymore as you get older. And I find that so heartbreaking. And I literally, I wish I could describe the feeling of me looking through my old writing pieces, but I was like, I was so innocent and innocent in the way that I wrote whatever I wanted. I didn't care how it looked to other people. I just wrote it and you could tell I was really passionate about it. And I feel like I've lost a lot of that passion, which really, it's really sad, I, but I don't know how to get it back. I think it's just because I'm aware that other people are going to perceive my writing. And I don't know, I just, when I was looking at my old stories, I remembered reading them aloud to my fifth grade class. Like, I was a really good writer, and my teacher knew I was a good writer, and so we would literally have little breaks where I could read my story that I was working on to the class. So it would be like, okay, come on, Mela's gonna read to the class. Like, genuinely, I would read my own writing to the class, which I know other people... Maybe other kids are like, oh, there's that snobby girl again with her writing. She's not even that good. But I just remember feeling on top of the world because I was writing for fun and I just, I cannot capture that feeling again. And I can't capture the passion that used to exist in my writing again. And there's an artist I think illustrates this concept very well. I found his work on TikTok. His name is David Finch. And what I was fascinated by was his coffee table book. It's literally called Coffee Table Book. And inside this book are a bunch of cartoons, drawings, 
with often ironic or satirical messages, but or just messages that reference pop culture or maybe make fun of pop culture, make fun of the way modern people act, but I really enjoy his art and it's really thought-provoking. It's not it's interesting, it's ironic in itself that the book is called Coffee Table Book because when you think of coffee table books, we don't read them, they're for decoration. And it's almost like, it's it's just ironic, you know? Like, you understand how that's ironic, coffee table book, that his book is actually, each piece has a theme within it, and has a message within it. So I find it very funny he named his book that. But there was this one piece of his that has really stuck with me. And on the left side, on the left panel, there was a little kid drawing and he was just drawing. There was no thought bubble, no speech bubble, whatever. Then on the right side, there was another panel with the adult drawing and he's thinking in his head, there's a thought bubble. I can finally do art unconsciously again. And again, you get the irony of that. Like he's thinking I can do art unconsciously. He's not just doing it unconsciously. He's thinking that. He's forcing his brain to do it. So he's not really doing art unconsciously. And I related to that so much. I feel the exact same way when I'm writing. I'll be writing something and be like, wow, maybe five seconds. Wow, I didn't think about how this would sound to other people. I didn't overthink it like I always do. But it's like you are. You still are overthinking because you're thinking about not overthinking. And if you were really not overthinking, you wouldn't be thinking anything at all, if that made any sense. So I related to that so much. I genuinely want to buy. I think I will buy his book. I don't know how much it costs. Maybe I'll buy that one print. I just really, that print really spoke to me. All his work is is so good. It's so fascinating. You should definitely check it out. His name is David Finch. Definitely look at his work. I really like it. Definitely want to invest in the coffee table book. But I'm trying right now to reverse this mindset of, oh, I have to be good at every single hobby I do. So I'm trying to do things that maybe I'm not the best at. And I'm trying to just not think about oh, what are you going to do with this when it's finished? Are you going to show it to people? Could you make a business and sell it? I'm like, Mila, stop. Just do it because you enjoy it. So what I'm doing is painting and then turning the painting into a collage. And I think it's really it's really fun. I was doing yesterday and today, listening to music, just chilling. I think it's a great way to relieve stress, doing something creative. So basically, what I did was... I was like, I really want to get into painting because one of my New Year's resolutions was to get into more hobbies this year. So one of my new hobbies is Sudoku. I've learned how to do some Sudoku puzzles, learned some tricks. Not a world master, but that's okay because I don't have to be good at every hobby in order to enjoy it. Or so I'm trying to tell myself. But anyways, I went to Target at like 8pm last night and I was like, okay, I really I want to invest in some paints. So I got some cheap paints for $10 and I sat down and I had this vision I really wanted to paint a peach. I don't know why. Actually, it was an orange at first and then I decided I wanted to paint a peach. So I just sat down, painted for maybe an hour. I think it was an hour probably, yeah. Painted this little peach. Is it necessarily good? No. I think it's 
I think it's good for someone who doesn't paint, but I'm sure I'm biased. I sent it to my friend and she said that's something, so it probably isn't that good, but I think it's good in my eyes for a non-artist and that's okay. So then I was like, I also wanted to get into collaging. Specifically, that was one of the hobbies I wrote down on my New Year's resolutions. I wrote in parentheses, Sudoku, collaging. So I've already done Sudoku, so now I was like, okay, I'll do collaging. So I went to Half Price Books, and then I got some magazines, because my dad's friend is also into collaging, and he goes to Half Price Books to get cheap magazines. So I went there, and I got a few magazines. I got a Vogue magazine, an Architectural Digest magazine, and this old-fashioned cars magazine. It literally- the magazine on cars is so cool. It literally looks like it's from the 1930s with the illustrations and everything. So cool. But the magazine that actually was most helpful was the Architectural Digest magazine, and what I did was I made a collage of this vibe that I thought my painting of peach encompassed, and then I cut out the peach and made it a part of the collage. And I really like it. I'm looking at it right now. I'm really proud of it. Is it the best thing ever? No. Am I trying to tell myself that that's okay? Am I trying to convince myself of that? Yes. Is it working? Not really. But nonetheless, I am very proud of myself for getting into this new hobby and getting into something creative. Like I said, I feel like as we grow up, we lose a lot of creativity, which I've talked about in a previous episode. I forget which one. But... I'm really happy and I feel like I kind of got in touch with my inner child. I was just happy to be creating, happy to be using my brain to do something creative. And yeah, I think my next thing I want to draw is a bottle or paint is a bottle of nail polish. I have a vision for making a collage of a nail polish bottle in like a teenage girl's room. I feel like that would be really cool and definitely could be very creative with that in terms of magazine cutouts. So yeah, that was a very fun creative exercise. I'd highly recommend it. And another thing I've been doing, which I don't know if I talked about, was building Legos. I feel like I'm hyper fixating on building things and creating things right now, but I'm just going to take it and go. So I've been building Legos and I ordered the Lego bouquet flower set from Amazon. And when I tell you I built this thing in like one day, I sat down well, I built it in two days because I had to go to work. And then the next day, when I woke up, the minute I woke up, I went back to building my Lego set. And I forgot how fun it was. I forgot how fun these childhood hobbies were. And again, I think that's what makes being a kid so special is that you're not trying to make it good. You're not even thinking about making it good. You're just doing it. I just miss that feeling so much. I think in general, kids are just unaware of everything. Like, trends, appearance. I remember when I was younger, I had no self-awareness of my appearance. Like, I knew what I looked like, but when you're a kid, you don't know what's attractive, what's not attractive, what's pretty, what's not pretty. And I just wish I could go back to also being that person, being that kid who just said, this is what I look like, but I'm not going to think anything of it. I was actually babysitting and I was so surprised at how pure these kids were like they were just so nice we were talking and they're just talking about things they enjoyed about their day 
and one of the kids is really into art so he was showing me his artwork and I was like these kids are just so pure like he was also into Legos so he was showing me his Legos in his room he had a ton of Legos and I was just like I just miss being that kid that was just had interests but wasn't trying to make them into something more than an interest into something that you can profit off of or that you can excel at just something that you enjoy so that's what I'm going to be working towards and maybe you feel the same way I think this was a really refreshing podcast episode because I got to say a lot of things that have been on my chest especially relating to nostalgia so thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time